Welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. And I'm Noelle. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week we are going to be talking about Mary and the Holy Spirit, because yesterday was Pentecost, and this is our last episode for May, which is the month of Mary. As Catholics, we know that Mary and the Holy Spirit have a special relationship, and actually Mary gives us a very good example of how our relationship should be with the Holy Spirit. I found this really nice little simple Marian lessons for Pentecost. I probably put the link in the um, notes, but um, it basically goes through the Hail Mary and little parts of it and um, scripture from Luke and then talks about how um, we also can do that. So I'm just going to do the first one and you guys can go through the other seven lessons that this author provides. But the first one is in Luke 1, 38, I am the handmaid of the Lord. And um, this is a lesson for us to invoke the Holy Spirit, to possess you more fully with his love and receive him anew with dulcity and joy. So just like what Mary says to, to the Holy Spirit is how we're supposed to also interact with the Holy Spirit. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, it, to continue that, that St. John of the Cross talks about... Um, now, in the same way that that the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, so also does He is He desiring and wanting to overshadow us, and by that to impregnate us with Him His life and to and to we use that word a lot in in the practical sense, but it really just means to be filled, and that's sort of our destiny as Christians is to be overshadowed in the same way that Our Lady was overshadowed, not specifically but in our spiritual life to be filled with the holy spirit animated and from that we bring new life into the world as sort of participants in that mission of christ to to renew the face of the earth if you will and so we become in that way little christ's incarnate another incarnate as saint elizabeth of the trinity says um, another another Christ in the world, and that's really our destiny. So yes, you're you're absolutely right, Stacey. I think that we should be seeking how to react and to interact with the Holy Spirit in the same way that she did. And of course, that began that begins not with an initiation, but with a response. He starts that. You know, it's we always think that prayer is this thing that we start, but it's actually God who's starting it. And we say yes, just as she said yes, and so. I, I, I'm curious in what ways we've said yes to God personally, each of us, like in little ways. I would love to hear stories like that, ways that we related to him that way or ways that Our Lady was present in our life because where he is, there she is as the spouse of the Holy Spirit. In what ways has she empowered us or helped us that we can point to places of real victory, I guess, um, you know, as we talk about Pentecost. I mean, my own personal story with that is this very podcast. I mean, there's other things too, but like this is what comes to mind because we just had our one year, not anniversary of our episodes, but of me asking you guys to do this with me. And it really was a, this thought just came to me. This is a good thing that you need to be doing. And these are the people that you need to be ask 
to walk with you. And I was like, well, what about these people? No, I'm like, well, I don't know all those people very well. I don't know if I feel very comfortable asking them. Nope, these are the names. Ask them now. <laughs> and I just, and I did. I just, I, and I text you guys that day. It was around three o'clock. And I was like, hey, I've got a crazy idea. You want to do this with me? And eventually, you know, all of you said yes. And it was really, truly the first, like, Holy Spirit thing that I have jumped right into with a yes. Like, there's been other things that I put off for a while. And then the Holy Spirit's like, um, <laughs> no, you really should do this. I'm like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, smacks me in the head with it. But that was really the first, like, jump in head first, putting in all my trust. Okay, you want me to do this? Let's do this. And I mean, I feel that things have been going really well. And I think that God really knew what he was doing, putting you ladies in my life. And I've already know several people that I didn't even know before. And I'll go to a luncheon. They're like, oh, you're the coffee and Catholics girl. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And, and, and there's that, you know, being humble and accepting, you know, a compliment type of a thing again. But um, it's been very interesting to see where this has gone. And I really do think the Holy Spirit has had his hand in it the whole time and continues to have his hand in it. And um, like you said, it all it all begins with the yes and interacting with the Holy Spirit the way Mary did and just putting all that trust there and saying, I know that you're going to take care of this and it's going to turn out the way it's supposed to. I think that that trust, what you just said was trust, trust in the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about, because I have to give a, talk in a while to girls on, on restoring femininity. And just as I've been praying about all of this, um, uh, one of the things that came to mind was just another comparison of Eve to Mary, because we say that Mary, you know, is a new Eve. Jesus is the new Adam. Well, there's a line in the catechism, and we might have mentioned this on another podcast, where the original sin was when Adam and Eve let the trust for their creator die in their heart. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when we let our trust die in our heart? We're kind of like returning God's spirit back to him in a way. That, and that's mm-hmm. death, you know. Like we have no room for the Holy Spirit. We don't trust him. And he's not going to force himself upon us. Um, whereas with Mary, she trusted so deeply in God that his Holy Spirit came upon her. And I found this quote by um, St. Maximilian Kolbe. Um, I didn't think I would be able to find it, but I just came across it. Maximilian Kolbe says that the Holy Spirit is the spouse of Mary, but that spouse is kind of an inadequate term because he says, among creatures made in God's image, the union brought about by married love is the most intimate of all, but in a much more precise, more interior, more essential manner, the Holy Spirit lives in the soul of the Immaculata, in the depths of her very being. And this was so essential for the Holy Spirit, for God to restore his relationship with man, to live in her so completely that literally it bears, you know, his incarnate presence in the second person of the Trinity via the third person of the Trinity. And I I just think that's so powerful and beautiful, but the essential part of that is her consent. And I love that God allows our consent and then he dwell, he can dwell in us as fully as we will allow him to a big part of that is surrendering and trusting in him that he he wants what's best for us he loves us so completely that he would literally desire to live in the depths of our hearts um, on that note Noel, it made me kind of reflect and think about you know 
with Pentecost, well, we always think about the the apostles being, you know, there, but so is so is Mary. Um, she was there when the Holy Spirit came upon them in tongues of fire, and I hadn't really reflected before. I thought about this story, like, how she must have like felt and like compared to like the Holy Spirit coming upon you know through the um, through the conception of Jesus and like how you know she was filled with the Holy Spirit you know already you know just that. Yeah, like the, those emotions that she must have been going through, and like, and how and just that experience. Like, I mean, I really haven't like, thought about this, that connection before, and it makes me want to, you know, reflect on that and kind of study that a little bit more. But the Holy Spirit, like, he's kind of like that forgotten person sometimes because, you know, with, with Jesus, we have, you know, we, we, we know he was human, we have a face, all these, you know, pictures, and God the Father is always depicted, you know, as well as, you know, an older man. and but in the Holy Spirit, we get like a dove and fire and wind and like, you know, that the quiet voice. And it's like, how do you, you know, how do you visualize speaking with the Holy Spirit when you don't have, you know, are you talking to fire? Like <laughs> My son, Elias, he said one time on our way back from church, he was like, so let me get this straight. God, the father created the whole world. God, the son died on the cross and the Holy Spirit is just a silly old bird. Well, it's really funny you talk about the symbols of the Holy Spirit because that's that's one of the things that I've been reflecting on for about a year or so too. In Celtic pictures, the Holy Spirit is depicted as a goose, not a dove. And so when you think about the mannerisms of a goose, (laughs) they are a little bit more aggressive than you might think of as a dove. And I really resonate, that image really resonated with me because that's how the Holy Spirit works in my life. I mean, he is not the quiet voice telling me what to do. He is the, um, I thought I told you to do that, you know, and like you know, honking at me over and over chasing and over again, chasing me, you know, <laughs> give me a little snip on the, the hand if I'm not going the way I'm supposed to. And so I really like the image of the wild goose. The It's in Celtic artwork. And I think it's been very appropriate for me over the past year and a half for that image to guiding me. Well, and what you were talking about, um, Annie, about the Holy Spirit kind of being like the person of the Trinity that's kind of like in the background, it seems. Like, even though he's so instrumental at all of it, of course. Um, Like, he was kind of like that for me, too. And I kept thinking, because I, you know, I talk to the Father, like I tend to when I pray, I oftentimes talk to the Father. Um, more recently, I started talking to Jesus specifically and kind of, you know, going back and forth. And But then I was like, oh, but, you know, the poor Holy Spirit, like, you know, leaving him out. And recently, I think God has really been telling me to be still in my life. He, that he pulled me away from a lot of things that I had going on in my life that I found really important. And that I think a lot of, like, kidding, I was focusing on and kind of um, was giving me my identity a bit. And... So when he pulled me away from that, I was really, like, you know, stressed out about it and, like, felt lost. And I just kind of kept getting these messages. And I really think it was the Holy Spirit, because he's kind of like the messenger here, that he was just telling me, like, you know, just just wait. Just be still. Be calm. Wait for me to do what I want you to do. And, like, I'll tell you within my time. You just have to trust me. And when I was reading the book I'm reading now by Mother Teresa and The No Greater Love, I was reflecting on this one night and just, you know, I've been feeling just really unsettled about it all day. And I sat down and I started reading and the entire page was about 
she was talking about how before we can go out and we can love the world, we have to first start with our families and those around us. But we have to start with those we love and our family and the people that are around us. And from that, once we figure out how to truly love our families and be present for them, then that love kind of overflows out into the community around us. And it just fits so perfectly for me because that's really like, I think what God was wanting me to do is really focus on the family. And I feel bad about that because I didn't want to just focus on my family. I'd always felt like I needed to go out and do other things um, in addition to, to being around my family. And so that was just kind of a really beautiful moment of, you know, like the Holy Spirit talking to me there. And then as this has gone on and I've, you know, started to reflect on the Holy Spirit more, I started talking to somebody I know and she was talking about how she was doing a consecration to the Holy Spirit and asked if I wanted to link to it. And I was like, well, you know, I'll look into it. And I honestly, I chose to do it because it sounded good, but I didn't really know what consecrating oneself to something meant. So I had to Google that. <laughs> and so now I get it. But because uh, I had already started the whole thing. But since I have started, like, it's just, especially the first day that I did it, there was this amount of joy that I felt that day. I was on a high. I was just having such a good day. And it was just a short little prayer. It's like three or four sentences. And that's all it was. And then like a little video that you watch to talk to you about how to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I was on such a high the next day, a little less of a high. The next day I had a kind of a rough day, but it was just kind of a reminder that like, you know, life is going to sometimes you're going to let life get in the way, but just always turn back to God and the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm loving every minute of it right now. Have y'all read In the School of the Holy Spirit by Father Jacques? Yes. Louis? Oh, it's so good. I just was starting to read. I have several of his books going at once. But um, one of the things that he talks about was how St. Faustina said that to be holy is to trust the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But then he says, we all have the power to become holy simply because God lets himself be won over by the trust we put in him. Isn't that like such a beautiful yeah. way to put it? Like, God is so won over by our action to say, yes, Lord, I believe in, and I trust and send your Holy Spirit and sanctify me. I just think that's such a very romantic sort of a way of, you always think of God's pursuing us, God's pursuing us, but what delight he takes in our saying, like, yes, Lord. Um, and can you say that again? Like, I just really want that to yeah. say that. Uh, we all have the power to become holy simply because God lets himself be won over by the trust we put in him. I love that. And when he does pour out his spirit, I mean, even in scripture, we have Mary, the first thing she does is go visit Elizabeth. The apostles, they receive the Holy Spirit and they go out even to their death. They're so filled with the Holy Spirit and, and love and trust of God that, that these guys who were really scared of what awaited them outside of those doors um, once they've seen Jesus be crucified and they're hiding and they're scared. All of a sudden they go out, not just to go out and start some Bible studies, but like go out and literally die and be imprisoned and tortured for their faith and refuse to renounce um, their love. Well, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. that he's like, the, my consolations are with you during this whole time and, and I love you and I'm delighted by you. It's, it's amazing. Joy is the definitive mark of the Holy Spirit. And it's not like a yippee joy, like you had a lot of coffee or you've really, <laughs> you've discovered, you know, an extra $5,000 in your bank account. Yeah, it's not fleeting. That's not, <laughs> it, it doesn't always look happy. 
The joy of the Lord does not always look happy. It doesn't always register. It's deeper than that. It's a it's a quietness and a just a, a centeredness, I think. And St. Paul, I mean, you can see all throughout the epistles, he talks about the joy of the Lord being his strength and, you know, for the joy of the Lord and the joy of the Lord is, you know, fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy. And he goes on and on about it. And then Jesus himself was full of joy and full of the Holy Spirit. And so, and I think it's almost like we feel like God wants to be stingy. Like, you know, we're like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be open to the Holy Spirit now. I'm just, I'm, I'm yet. Okay, Holy Spirit, you just come on. Come on. Like God's going to give us like a meted out portion of it. Like just in a, God wants to overflow and pour out. That is his nature and his being. He wants to flood us with love and joy. And he, it's, it's like we feel like we're afraid to ask God to transform us. We're afraid to ask God to do insane things inside of us. We're afraid to ask God for miracles, to break habits and break attachments. And because like, like it's beyond our portion of the Holy Spirit to do so. Or some weird thing that we do as humans to make little lines in the sand for ourselves. But God describes himself in the book of Genesis as the helper. It's the very first thing that he used to describe himself, the word, I am the helper. And it's the word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit in the Last Supper discourses. He says, I will send the helper. He said, I'm leaving you. Okay, I know that you're afraid. I understand. I am sending the helper to you to help and I think we just get really twisted up inside of ourselves thinking that God wants us, God like is sitting back and watching us stumble. Like it's some sort of test to see like how many times we'll fall, whether or not he's going to help us. That is not accurate. Like God wants to help with all the little things from the, the, the fight you had with your husband to the, the struggle you're having with your kid. Pour your spirit out. You know, the Protestants beat us to this, man. They understand. <laughs> he wants to pour his spirit out. You know, they talk about that all the time because in some way, I think sometimes that Protestant faiths have a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit than Catholics do because they have to lean into him. They don't have the presence of Jesus in his real body with them. So they have to really lean into the Holy Spirit and listen to him and submit to him. And that is why you see so many sourpuss Catholics and so many joyful Protestants. I'm just saying, y'all can write other letters. I don't care. My name is Lauren. Address it to me. I'm just saying that they they do. You know, they mm-hmm. radiate Christ because of this intimate relationship they have and this lack of fear. And for us as Catholics, I think sometimes we're like afraid of it. Well, they talk a lot about their personal relationship with Jesus yeah. or with God, and I think that we. And they do that through the Holy Spirit. And I think that we forget that we have that personal. And I think that's what, a lot of times that's what we've been talking about in this podcast is building that personal relationship. And you were talking about how joy isn't always pretty. And I think back to the times where I really did feel the presence of the Holy Spirit working in my life and how I might have been in a storm, but I felt calm. Mm-hmm. And it's when I don't trust and I don't listen and I don't let him guide where I'm going. When I start getting overwhelmed, I start getting, I start worrying. And so those are, it's, it's when I start feeling the turbulence of the storm. I'm no longer calm. But when I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I let him work the way that he needs to. 
I can feel calm in the storm, just like Jesus calmed the waters. The Holy Spirit can calm our anxieties. And that's why I wonder, you know, if both of you kind of triggered some reflection for me on like Mary and the apostles in the upper room and thinking people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are naturally drawn to them. Mm -hmm. You want to be around them. There's something special and radiant about them. And I, I wonder if that's why the apostles were with Mary, because Jesus has been taken from them. The, the closest person to God is Mary yeah. in that moment. And maybe they wanted to gather around her because mm-hmm. she's safe. She's penetrated totally, you know, in the fiber of her being with the Holy Spirit and, um, and just wanting to be with her. I wonder if that was something that was going through their, their minds of the... We want to be close to God, so let's get close to his mom, you know. And I think for me, having that relationship with Mary has healed a lot of my own personal wounds and and um, made me more open to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I will literally say, like, Mary, please help me grow closer to God because I'm not sure how in this moment. Mm-hmm. And she does. There's always something that redirects my focus and being safe in the upper room with Mary, with the Holy Spirit that's been entrusted to her, and then is going to overflow from the heaven down onto all of these apostles that's going to make these into amazing, strong witnesses of Christ. We can all hope for that, and we all have access to that as well. Well, and you're talking about the upper room too, and they were really anxious until the Holy Spirit descended mm-hmm. on them. And so just that whole, when we trust, and like you said, Mary was there. And one of the times we talk about getting to Jesus through Mary, we always acknowledge the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity. I mean, we say it every time we say a prayer, we cross, we cross ourselves and we say, me, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I think a lot of times, too, we put him off to the side. Like he is God. I think a lot of times we think of him as a third, a third person. And he, and yes, he's a third person in the Trinity, but he's not an extra person, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. So like to the Holy Spirit through Mary, to the Father through Mary, through to Jesus through Mary. Like we, Mary can help guide us to all three persons, yeah, to the Blessed Trinity. And I think that sometimes we forget that she, like you were saying, she's kind of that key person to get us to where we need to go to help us listen and help us find that calm and help us accept our salvation and help us get closer to God, the father and our creator. Well, and I heard um, somebody speaking about the Trinity one time and they were talking about how, you know, and trying to understand what the Trinity is. It's like you got the father and you have the son and they love each other so much that their love is a living being yes. in the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so that's what it is, is that he, he is the communal love between the Father and the Son. One thing that I've been trying to do as a regular spiritual practice is when somebody asks me to pray for them, before I go right into prayer, sometimes I'll ask, Holy Spirit, how should I pray for this person? And I've been amazed, like... I share things with David and, and nobody really else because I don't want, I want to use discernment in what I feel is revealed to me by the Holy Spirit or whatever about a situation or, or whatever. Um, but I want to share with David so that I know 
okay, yeah, this this really was the Lord because this and this and this happened for this person. Like one time I was praying for somebody and I, I my first thought was to pray for that they don't die. Um, and then as I started asking the Holy Spirit, how should I pray for this person? It was revealed, you know, they need endurance. They're going to be suffering for a little while. Pray for their strength and their endurance. So I very intensely prayed for strength and endurance for this person. And I think if we see the Holy Spirit not as somebody, you know, the little silly bird that's flying up above, but the little fluttering within our own hearts and, and nudging us certain directions and very active within us, um, particularly when we receive the sacraments, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us every minute of the day. And if we can learn to start trusting those little and acting on those little promptings, I think like St. Faustina says, that's the path to holiness. Well, and that's what I was, I was thinking about a minute ago when you were talking about the love, the Holy Spirit is the love, is that also you mentioned the sacraments. I think a lot of times we also put the Holy Spirit in these little sacrament boxes. He's a, he's good for baptism and confirmation, and 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 it's more than he's there all the time. And I think sometimes we just put him into these little. This is his role, but he has a greater role and a constant role for all of us to help guide us, like you said guide us and knowing how to pray for someone guiding us and how to go on with the next step in the situation we might be in. Well, and I remember this reminds me back when I was in college and I may have told this story before, but back when I was in college, I was in the cafeteria area and I was sitting there eating. This is before my conversion. And I saw this man who was sitting there eating lunch by himself and he got up and he walked over to this other table and he was like, hi, you know, my name's blah, blah, blah. I, I just feel like God is telling me to sit down and talk with you. You know, can I do that? And they, you know, said, no, no, thanks. You know, we're good. And he's like, okay, well, you know, have a good day. God bless. And like me being the cynical person that I so often can be and definitely was, I was just like, you know, oh, come on. Like, that is bull. Like, you just wanted to get up and talk to him, and you're just making stuff up. And I, and then I, you know, kind of backed up and conceded a little bit. and was like, you know, well, maybe. And then he's sitting there, and he's eating. And he gets up, and he goes to another table and says, God told me to come over here and talk to you. I was like, all right, now you're just full of it. <laughs> like, and again, I don't, I don't know the inner workings of his heart. I don't know, in, in retrospect, like, I don't know if God was really telling him to go and talk to people. But, you know, after my conversion, I was like, all right, well, you know, like, that is possible. But there, the first time it ever happened to me was, I don't know, maybe like a year or two ago. I was listening to the conversion story of someone, and it was a very, very intense conversion story. And it made me think of somebody that I knew. And I had just, like, all of a sudden this feeling like I needed to tell them how much they were loved and I needed to tell them just that they were worth being loved and it was just like this overwhelming kind of thing but then I also felt like this you know but wait for a moment like wait until tomorrow because it was like 11 30 12 o'clock at night and I'm like but god come on like I really really want I need to do this and so <laughs> and so I was like okay well I can't text them I can't call them because they're probably sleeping 
So I'll Facebook message. That's the right thing to do. <laughs> and so I let myself, you know, kind of my, my will slip there. And I sent that, like, just like an I love you. And, like, immediately I was like, oh, I'm sorry, God. <laughs> like, I shouldn't have done that. But I think it really was, like, the Holy Spirit talking to me there. Mm-hmm. Because I called this person. I called her the next morning. And I talked to her. And as I told her, and I just, like, I kind of, like, rehearsed a little bit of what I was going to say beforehand. Because I was like, I don't know. This is the first time I've ever felt this way. So I'm a little nervous. But I called her up. And it was just, like, word vomit. Like, all this mm-hmm. stuff. And it was just, I just I felt this. I feel it right now, like, thinking about it, this incredible feeling of love for her. And she was just bawling her eyes out on the other end. And she revealed to me that this is the third time. It always happens in threes. This is the third time that something strange has happened. That it was just these weird coincidences for her that, you know, like she was struggling with this this particular issue. And I was the third person to talk to her, the third event that happened to her that, um, you know, like she just really needed to hear it. And she, I don't know if she's agnostic or atheist, but I was just like, oh, come on, God, like you're speaking to her heart. Come on. And so I have so much hope for her. But um, yeah. And then the second time, I think it was the second time that's ever happened. I was speaking to somebody um, over Facebook message and she's a woman that I know who recently has gone through a serious trauma in her life and she's struggling really, really hard. And um, she was talking to me a bit about this. And it's the first time that she had ever really like opened up a bit more about this. And I felt like I needed to tell her something, but I was like, oh God, like, I don't, I don't know that she's going to take this well. Like, this is kind of a blunt thing to say to somebody who's going through this. Like, I'm really nervous about it. Maybe I should say this other thing. But I just kept feeling like, no, like I need to tell her this. So I went ahead and messaged it and I sent it. And I kept checking back to see if she'd read it yet to be like, oh, is she like waiting a while? Cause she's mad. And she's like cursing me on the other end. And she messaged me back and she was like, you know, I really needed to hear that. Thank you. I know you're right. And I was just like, oh, thank you, God. And so like, I think it really is. It's just like the, those promptings, like you're talking about it. It's hard to understand it, I think, until you experience what it is, but oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And it brings about uh, just the most beautiful outcomes when you listen. And it's not just that the Holy Spirit prompts us. He also gives us what we need to do whatever he is asking us to, to do. Yeah. Thinking back to what you were saying about how Mary brings us back um, to God. And again, this might be another thing that I've already talked about. I, I tend to repeat myself. So tell me. But the time, the only time that I've had really like a Marian kind of supernatural experience, I think that was more like a breathtaking one. And I know I've told maybe y'all personally, but was back when I had the miscarriage and Mm -hmm. I had built up this wall between me and God. I told him I don't want anything to do with you. And then I was like, okay, well, I actually can't do this without you. So I'm reluctantly coming back. And I built up this wall where like I just could not pray anymore like I could not bring myself to pray to God I kind of I wanted to be close to him sort of but I resented him so much that I just couldn't get there and so before falling asleep one night I turned to Mary and I was like you know I can't do this on my own I cannot talk to your son like I can't do it and so please help me like break down this wall get me back to him because I can't do it on my own and you're the only one I think you can so I went to sleep just like really distraught and really upset And I woke up and like, it was just completely gone. Like that wall was completely gone. And I still felt sad and I still felt a little bit of anger and 
resentment towards God, but it was nowhere near what, where it was before. And so I think she really, she really came through for me and she, I don't know how she did it. I mean, <laughs> for me, it really was a miracle because I had been working on it and I had tried and it wasn't happening. And, you know, she really is the undoer of knots. Like she undoes those knots in our lives that are so complicated that we can't figure out how to undo them ourselves. And she just takes her hands that are just moved by the divine love of the Holy Spirit. And she really works on those. And I've experienced her doing that, you know, really quick and, you know, short, sweet to the point and getting it done kind of a thing. And I've also experienced her doing it like in a, in a long kind of drawn out thing where I would prefer for it to happen quicker. Yeah. But, <laughs> but God often tells us to wait is what I've learned is like the main answer I get from him. You know, I, I've, I've, even when that's happened though, I've seen so many fruits come from waiting as agonizing mm -hmm. as it can be. Like he works in us when we are at our most vulnerable. One mm -hmm. thing I think that can help us to recognize this, the promptings of the Holy Spirit is, have you ever heard of um, asking for a divine appointment? Mm -hmm. um, so basically, you, you ask the Lord, Lord, give me a divine appointment, which means essentially that you have an opportunity to share the Lord with somebody in some capacity. And I have heard so many amazing stories from people who have said, yeah, I asked the Lord for a divine appointment, and then this crazy thing happened, and I got an opportunity to share the Lord. And I think that when you are, when you say something like that, you, you, you're not necessarily setting up a situation to happen, but you're making yourself docile to when something does happen and you start to pay more attention to, oh, I asked for this, here it is. And then you can recognize some of the things that you don't necessarily ask for, but that are kind of promptings of the Holy Spirit when you're like, should I do this? Give me a sign if I should do this. <laughs> you know? um, and I'm one to ask for confirmation <laughs> and I, I think that's a perfect example too of acting like mary and she's like i'm the handmaid of the lord you're making yourself available to do what god needs you to do exactly. and so even asking that isn't necessarily being like hey i could do some great things if you let me you know, but that's i am here to do what you need me to just you know work your will in me and i think it's just another good way of approaching the holy spirit and god as mary does so going back to what you were talking about, about waiting, you know, there's this holding period. I think that's one of the places that I've struggled a lot with the Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit putting something on my heart that he wants me to do. But then, you know, Noel said, and, and Lauren were both saying, but he'll give you what you need to get to do it, is that he hasn't given me what I need yet because it's not the time for it. He's put it on my heart, yeah, but it's not time for it yet. <laughs> and sometimes I can feel a little abandoned. Like I'm like, and so, and I think that's part of the lesson I'm supposed to learn in the end, but it's very frustrating to be there when God has put something on your heart, but it's not time for it yet either. And so, like you said, waiting and, for it is sometimes difficult, but there's lots of fruits that come out of that. But it's just, sometimes it's really difficult because it's very like, and you know, I talked about the Holy Spirit being this goose that knocks you and bites you, bites at you. And, and, and there are some things that God's put on my heart and repeat and like brings it up very regularly, but it's not time for it yet. And I'm like, Oh, why do you keep doing this? But it, it's going back to that trusting. 
God's time, trusting God's plan, and that things will reveal themselves when they're supposed to. And God will give us what we need to do the work that he's planned for us to do. I like to call those little things when he does that, the gestational assignments. You know, when you're pregnant, how many times a day do you think of your baby? All the time. There are some things that need to gestate first where the Lord gives you his vision. And then he says, now we have to work a little deeper on your docility to to my son. So keep this in mind and we're going to keep working it and gestating it. But I've had, I've had a lot of things like that, projects that just took too long. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And then even in my own spiritual life, there are these thorns. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about there was this thorn in my flesh. Three times I asked the Lord to remove it from me. It was keeping me from whatever. And I said, please take it away. Please take it away. And the Lord said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, when I when it's something like what you were saying, Alicia, where it's like this thing that I wish he would move faster in my life on, or something about myself that I want him to remove that I don't like, or an attachment, or this, a sin tendency. I think it's 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 the waiting is is that docility practice. It's waiting and waiting and letting saying those little yeses over and over again that opens you to that movement. Because for me, I, I don't understand. There's one thing in particular right now that's struggled with free, and it's a relational thing. Well, and what you reminded me of when you're when we're talking about the whole waiting period is that God often asks us to give up the good in order to receive the great. And so I think, and I mean, I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not God. I don't know what's going on with you guys. And you're, you're waiting for what you think that, you know, God is telling you to do. But, you know, I think it just, just oftentimes we have this image in our head of like, okay, God, this is what you're asking me to do. And this feels so good. And it's the right thing to do. But he's saying, wait. And I think oftentimes he's doing that so that he can work within us to just sanctify us and create that new holiness in us so that rather than this thing that he wants us to do being something that is so good it can be something that is just great like i was saying quick plug for the book the sanctifier but it's about the holy spirit absolutely a must read for any catholic who wants to seriously progress in their relationship with the holy spirit I just want to end with this quote from In the School of the Holy Spirit by Father Jacques Philippe, because he says, even though obeying the Holy Spirit is often hard for us at the start because it conflicts with our fears, our attachments, and so forth, that obedience is always, in the end, a source of joy and happiness. It is accompanied by an outpouring of grace that enlarges our hearts and makes our souls feel free and happy to travel along the Lord's paths. Amen. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Please join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.